All right. Well, hello, everyone. Great to see you. Great to see everybody here at Clark Street, and great to see, well, as Ollie said, we're, you're seeing us. Great to, by faith, we're seeing you as you watch online. My name is Joe Crummy, and I'm going to be speaking today from Acts chapter 4, verses 23 to 33, as we continue to learn from the early followers of Jesus and how they lived out being a Christ follower in a culture of many faiths and many belief systems and many different religions at the time. And last week, Mark spoke from uh, chapter 4. And so just a quick review about Peter and John and how they were told they couldn't speak about Jesus. You might remember that they had, in Jesus' name, healed a lame man who had been lame for his whole life for like over 40 years, and it really upset everyone. And Peter and John, who just a few months earlier had been quite actually cowardly uh, and, you know, were ashamed of Jesus at the cross and things like that, were now filled with the Holy Spirit, and they were courageous, and even though they were unschooled and ordinary, they were empowered and enabled by God's Holy Spirit to be able to share about Jesus and how they respectfully but clearly stated that they needed to continue to speak the name of Jesus and that they had to obey God. And that resulted in some time in jail, threats, questioning, they were commanded not to speak the name of Jesus, and they were under pressure and stress and persecution. And so this morning, today, we get to take a look at how did they respond to that persecution? What did they, what was like their first thing they did? And we're going to take a look, and we can learn from that. And as we do that, I believe that's going to help us to know how do we deal with stress and pressure? How do we deal with, even though maybe some of our persecution here in Canada right now isn't quite maybe as overt as other places, how do we handle that? How do we handle that at a church? How do we handle that individually? And so a question to start this morning, have you ever been persecuted for following Jesus? Can you just think about that for a moment? In all kinds of different ways, maybe at school, maybe at your workplace, maybe within your own family, maybe in your sports team or government, I know we have people here this morning from different backgrounds, different cultures, different countries. Have you ever been persecuted for your Christian faith? And if so, how did you handle that? How did you deal with that? Because as we look at this passage this morning, and I believe it's going to help us learn how to pray for us and for us here in Fredericton, but I also want to include our prayers for those other Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ around the world who really are being persecuted for their faith. And there's different people in different areas of the world who being a follower of Jesus, not just difficult, it's illegal, and there's persecution and threats, and there's violence, and there's loss of jobs, and loss of safety, and loss of property, and loss of freedom, and people are jailed, and beaten, and rejected. And I'm just going to read a few things from, if you're looking for a resource, I'll give you a couple, and one, you'll find lots of information through International Justice uh, Mission, IJM, and who Rick and Brahman, who are here this morning, have been involved with, and you can learn a lot about what's going on all around the world and different things that uh, are happening and persecution. One that I follow is Open Doors Canada, um, which, again, just through their website, and I get their email every week, and it gives you things to pray for. It gives you updates on what's happening around 
the world that just, again, wakes me up to the reality of what other people are going through. And so I'm just going to read a couple things from the Open Doors um, website, and you'll see how that connects into our message this morning. So let's talk about this. What is persecution? Persecution is any hostility experienced as a result of one's identification with Christ. This can include hostile attitudes, words, and actions towards Christians. And from their calculations, and they, I'll read you some of their metrics of what, how they measure some of these things, they would say that one in eight Christians worldwide are persecuted for following Jesus. That's one in eight. And they have a watch list, which they just did an annual report um, a week or two ago where they list the 50 countries where it's most difficult to profess and practice the Christian faith. And they actually have um, a thing coming up with MPs in Ottawa in March. And so I've invited our MP, um, Mrs. Atwin, to attend that where they bring just education on what's happening around the world and what we as Canada could possibly do to help with that, just as some information. And you can invite our MP as well if you'd like, and you can follow the uh, website for that. So here are the key areas for measuring Christian freedom that they use. So let me just read off some of them just so you understand what we mean by persecution. What sort of metrics are they looking at in life? So here's one. Private life. How free is a Christian to simply believe? Is conversion to Christianity allowed? Can they worship privately and possess religious materials? Do they have freedom of conscience and thought? So that's one aspect of daily life. Family life. How free are Christians to express their faith within their own family? Will they be thrown out? Is it possible to live as a Christian family to celebrate Christian marriages and funerals? Maybe some things we don't think about so much here in Atlantic Canada. Community life. Can Christians live without harassment and discrimination in their local communities? How does their faith affect their education or employment? Will they be driven out of their village, community, city, etc.? National life. Are national institutions, such as the government, legal system, and media, opposed to Christianity? Is it illegal for Christians to express their faith? Can they call themselves Christians on their ID or passport? Will the police come calling? Church life. Are Christians allowed to meet together? Can they build buildings and own property? And if they can, are they heavily monitored? Can Christian leaders be trained? Are Bibles freely available? And another metric, violence. Are Christians attacked mentally or physically? Are they arrested, abducted, tortured, imprisoned, or even killed? Do they face sexual harassment? So those are just some categories that help you understand what we mean by persecution, because it could be one out of six, it could be six out of six. So there's different ways that we can look at persecution. And certainly here in North America, Canada, Atlantic Canada, Fredericton, probably persecution to Christians is a bit more subversive. It might not be so much physical attacks and different things, although we've had some different things even in our community in these last couple of years. But it could be, as Mark talked about last week, it could be more just being shunned or embarrassed or canceled or shamed, demeaned, ridiculed. Although, as Mark shared an example last week about someone losing their employment in England for being a Christian, a dear friend of ours here in Fredericton um, was fired from her job for interacting and inviting people to church and different things, and her employer fired her for those interactions. So that was here in Fredericton in the last couple 
of years. So it's not just something that's always out there in different ways, in different contexts. It's very relevant for us here in our church. So what I want to take a look at today is just how do we deal when these things happen? It's not if, it's when persecutions happen in sort of minor to major formats for us individually here in church, for us as a church family. And how do we pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ in different contexts, cultures, and countries that we can help them out? How do we do that individually together? And so I think we've got a great opportunity from this passage that we're going to read. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 4 and um, verse 23, we're going to start. So again, the context is we're just picking up from where we were last week. Peter and John, the healing of the lame man set before the elders and the council and the Sanhedrin, giving their defense, declaring Jesus. They were told to be quiet and sent on their way. Don't speak about Jesus. And this is where we pick it up, verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people, went back to the church, and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, the church, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. So they go back to Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate, the governors of that day, met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city, Jerusalem, to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders to the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they are all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. And all the believers were, in, were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. And with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. Whew! What a great reaction. Persecution led to, first of all, prayer. A persecuted church leads to powerful prayers. And today I just want to quickly, just, we can see this is a bit of a model, a bit of a blueprint. In different places in the Bible, it gives us models and blueprints of how to pray. So this isn't the only way, but this is one great way that we can learn together how to pray. So let's just break this down and look at how we can make this accessible that we can follow and learn from the early church and how they prayed. Number one, they shared the facts, verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. What a comforting thing. If you're going under persecution, that you can gather with some other Christians and you can just share the facts of what's going on. That, that's just a burden release and a, takes the pressure off and some of the fear and all of that. It's just we can share with one another what's going on. That might be in a small group. That might be together as a church family. That might be at our prayer meetings. But, they're, but they came together the church is important that we have each other, that we can come to each other, and we can be honest with one another. And there might be a few contexts where we have to appreciate some confidentiality and different things, but we can share the facts of what has been said, what we're going through, maybe what the persecution is. We can do that together. And folks, that just brings such comfort 
and, you know, a release of a burden. Just if we stop there, that's a good start. But we're not going to stop there. We're going to keep going. And so just two extremes sort of with that one. Sometimes we've been in church and different things, and sometimes people say, you know what? You don't need to know anything. God knows all the facts. We can just pray. Well, that's true, and in some contexts we, but you know, it's okay. We can share with one another. We can pray informed prayers. Now, I've also been in some prayer meetings where we gab a lot, and we share all the facts, and we don't actually get to praying. So, we want to keep moving along, and that's the second thing, is we want to get to praying. We can share the facts with one another, but as we pray, look how they prayed. My first reaction would be just to God help me and just get on with talking about all the things I need. They don't do that. Look at this prayer. They start with God. And this is so key. When they heard the reports, the church had heard the facts. Verse 24, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. They moved to knowing and starting with God sovereign Lord. And what did they start to do? They start to focus and remind themselves of who they were praying to. And we need to do the same thing. We need to sometimes remind ourselves of God's character and his attributes and how he works throughout history. They start at sovereign Lord. You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. They're reminding themselves, who are we praying to? We're praying to the creator of the universe. We're talking to the God who planned everything. We're talking to the master builder, the architect, the programmer, the author, the sustainer of all things. God, you know all things. And what are they doing? They're training their mind to be focused on who they're praying to, and they're beginning to lift their spirits. And I believe they're beginning to build faith for what they're going to be asking God to do. And that's what we need to be doing. We need to be gaining confidence and sometimes we need to remind ourselves about who God is. And that's one of the reasons that a lot of times God's worthy of our worship no matter what. But one of the great byproducts of worship is this. It builds our faith and reminds us of who God is. So even singing the songs this morning or whispering the songs or humming to the songs, just seeing the words and the truth in the words of the songs we're singing begins to remind us of who God is. Oh, Jesus, you wear the victor's crown. You overcame. Every high thing is going to come down because you're going to break every stronghold. And then Kelly brings her story. God, you know, just powerful. God, before I even knew you, I didn't even know I was in a pit. God, you were at work. You loved me. You were rescuing me. You were revealing yourself to me. Doesn't that just stir your heart? Doesn't that begin to build your faith? It's like, God, we want to see that happen again and again and again, we want more Kellys coming and saying, I didn't even know I was in a pit, but God, you, do you see? So with prayer, we want to start with God. We want to focus on God's attributes, his character, who God is. It trains our mind. It builds our spirit. It increases our faith to believe who we're praying to. We're praying to Almighty God. God's character and attributes. Starting with God, they also did this, verse 25. They looked at the promises of God. So they went all the way back to Psalm 2, 1 and 2. Hundreds of years earlier, David, by the Holy Spirit, had said, Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Again, it's pointing to Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior who's coming. So when they're saying sovereign Lord, they're saying God promised 
one would come to rule and to reign, the anointed one, the Messiah, the Son of God, and he was destined to come to earth and to bring peace and justice to the world. And they were looking forward to that. And now, as we've seen in Acts 1, 2, 3, and into 4, with the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, God has demonstrated that Jesus is God's Son. He is the anointed one. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior. He is the one who came from the seed and the line of King David. And this risen Jesus is Lord. He's King. He's Master. He's Ruler. Whatever title we can give to Him of the whole world. So what were they doing? They're rooting themselves in God's character and attributes, but they were rooting themselves in God's word for God's promises. And they were reminding themselves that, hey, God promised this hundreds of years ago, and this has now come true. What are they saying? God, you are faithful to fulfill what you have promised. Do you see the confidence building in who God is? They're rooting themselves firmly in God's promises in Scripture, which fuel their confidence in prayer. And folks, you know what? God's merciful and kind, and sometimes we get in desperate situations, and sometimes we're just like, God, help me. That, that's a legitimate prayer. We, <laughs> you can still do that, okay? <laughs> but sometimes God wants us to stop for a minute and just focus in on, hey, remember who I am. Remember who you're praying to. Remember my promises that I want to fulfill. And I just want to remind us this morning, because you know what? It's become very sort of popular, and Facebook and that has prompted us. Facebook will prompt you, hey, send good thoughts to, or send happy thoughts to someone. And we can kind of get into that. Now, I appreciate we want to have a good heart. We want to help people. And we care for people. But folks, sending good thoughts doesn't do anything. <laughs> okay? We're praying for Paul and Jean last week or two weeks ago. You know, for me just to stand up here and say, Paul, I'm sending you happy thoughts, man. I'm sending you good thoughts. I appreciate the sentiment. I appreciate, but it's not going to help them. But praying to Almighty God to come and sustain Paul and to give him and Jean wisdom and to bring healing and peace. We're not just wishful thinking. We're asking the living God to intervene here on planet Earth. That's what we're talking about. Can you imagine sending a message to brothers and sisters being persecuted in North Korea and sending, we're, we're sending happy, we're thinking of you, we're sending good thoughts to you. No, we're asking almighty, sovereign Lord. Character, attributes, promises, and as we see, he's Lord of history. And the good news is if you don't know this God today that you can call Abba Father, that you can come and pray, you can come through Jesus, you can have that relationship, that you can go from just having good thoughts because your heart really wants to care, but you can go to actually praying and being part of a family that prays together and sees Almighty God move in people's lives. It's so much greater knowing that through Jesus we can know and call in a God that is in charge of history, working out his plans and purposes under the counsel of his own will with God's wisdom and understanding and planning and timing and power. Because he is Lord of history. Verse 27. 
This is incredible. Even the bad things, God allows and uses them for his purposes. That's a game changer. Even though things and circumstances are unfair and unjust and horrible and horrific and incomprehensible, and even though apparent disastrous things that took place as Jesus went to the cross was not outside of God's will. Verse 27, indeed Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed. Verse 28, they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Whew, wow. Folks, it is, it's hard to get our minds and our hearts around that God predestines, he foreordains, and yet we have free will, how all that works together. But folks, it's so comforting to know, even if we wrestle through that, we're praying to a God who even through bad things is working out his will and his purposes and plans. N.T. Wright says this, the wickedness of rulers is held in check by and contained within the overall purpose of God who makes even human wrath turn to his praise. This week I had the privilege of hearing two people share their stories of just God's work in their life and it just reminded me, Lord, you are the Lord of history. That just as Kelly was sharing this morning, right from before birth, all the way through, we can see God at work. One of them was my friend, Mark Cypher, you know, in Wolfville, he was sharing this week online to a group, and he just shared his story, and I was just amazed, and he was almost apologizing, because he was saying, that's the most boring story there is, because he was just saying, look, I grew up, and I grew up in a Christian home, I grew up in church, and I, I knew Jesus at a young age, I was baptized at 10, and he's almost apologizing for every step along the way, and I'm just going like, that's God, that's God, that's God, look how God intervened in your life, look where he placed you, look where he planted you, look how he grew you, look how he guided you, look how you were obedient, and it was just an incredible testimony to God's story, to God's, he's the Lord of history. And then Friday night, Debubba from our church was right here sharing with our youth, and he shared his story, and it was incredible, and just in a completely different way, but the same thing, God's hand Grew up in Congo, war, had to flee, you know, almost died several times, almost ship he was on, crossed the lake, sunk, and his dad thrown him into another country, and I mean, just incredible. Yet, Lord of history. And you know what? Hearing these stories, as plain as we think they are, or as incredible, what's it do? It builds our faith that God knows every person. God knows every hair on our head. And he's Lord of history. So what did they actually then pray? What was the content of their prayer after they focused on God? Well, can I just tell you this? I'm reading a lot of stories. You read International Justice, you read IGM, you read Open Door, and you read just some of the stories of what people are going through around the world. Folks, it, and many of you, some of you have experienced horrific things. And I'll be honest, I'll tell you what I'd be praying if I was in those situations. Even the minor inconveniences I've had in Canada. Here's my prayer, okay, before we get into what they prayed. Here's my prayer. Lord, get me out of here. That's, that would be, I think, number one prayer on the list. I wrote them down. Here's what I, that was number one. Lord, get me out of here. Two, number two would be, Lord, please stop them from being so mean or cruel to me. Number three, please stop the persecution. Number four, Lord, change them. And if I'll be really honest, number five, Lord, not only to stop them, 
why don't you do something to them? <laughs> that, that's just, and you know what? Some of those prayers are in the Bible. But Jesus has changed everything. And here's the prayers from these believers. Very simply, it says, Holy Spirit, help us to keep speaking about you boldly. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And despite maybe their own fears and insecurities, despite maybe confusion and cultural issues and spiritual demonic forces coming against them, their prayers were, enable us, your servants, to speak with great boldness. Whatever that might look like, that could be a whisper here, that could be a wise word here, that could be a prayer here, could be sharing your story. And Lord, stretch out your hand to heal and let signs and wonders come via Jesus. Which just confirms everything we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. Do you remember we talked about the kingdom of God has come. And there's a declaring and a demonstrating. And folks, we've got to remind ourselves that this is what Acts is about. Jesus came saying the kingdom of God is here. That Jesus is the rescue mission. That what happened back in Genesis when Satan usurped the authority given to Adam and Eve and he became the little G-God of this world, a rescue mission's coming and Jesus is gaining back the ground that was lost to Satan. And Jesus has come and on the cross, he defeated sin, he defeated death, he defeated Satan and the resurrection proved that and from that point on, his kingdom is ever increasing. And we declare Jesus is Lord, that's the declaring part, we declare the message and we demonstrate heaven coming to earth, healing. And Mark talked about it a couple weeks ago, signs and wonders, what do they do? They point to sharing about Jesus. And that's what this early church prayed for. They're praying, Lord, give us boldness, enable us, Lord, to declare, to speak, but also to demonstrate that the kingdom is here. So the question I asked us this morning, what's the content and the substance of our prayers? And again, I say this is one type of prayer. We can be honest with God. We can sometimes just say, Lord, help me. That's okay. But sometimes it's good to come back to God's word and say, Lord, I, I want to learn how to pray. And Lord, teach me that I want to pray together. Lord, enable us as Christ Central Church Fredericton, enable us, your servants, to speak your word boldly with passion, with love, with truth, with care, with compassion. Lord, through us, Lord, would you bring healings and signs and wonders. And I love this. This prayer includes all of us. So it wasn't just Peter and John. It was everybody. It's not just Joe and Mark or the elders. It's not just the staff. It's everybody. Here's the result. Number four, shaken. God gave them spirit filled answers. Verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. God answered, I believe, partly because they were God-focused prayers. God wants to answer His will. He wants to answer the promises that He's given. And Lord, we say, Lord, shake our lives again. They were physically, that building was shaken, and we always joked when we were at 487, Lord, 
in our prayer meetings, please do not shake the building. This one's, I think, a little bit more solid. But Lord, wake us up. Lord, wake us up to your purposes and plans. Lord, shake us, God, so that we'd be willing to share and to speak. Because we need the Holy Spirit. Folks, we need the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And what's so encouraging about this passage is a lot of the same folks that were filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts 2 at Pentecost were the same people being filled with the Holy Spirit again. We need to go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. And the last thing, number five, they were filled with a purpose. They were sent to speak and to share about Jesus. So part of being filled with the Holy Spirit, and it's incredible, is we're filled with the Holy Spirit as followers of Jesus. Romans 5, 5 says, the Holy Spirit pours the love of the Father into our hearts. We can experience the love of God as a Father. The Holy Spirit says that we've been given the spirit of adoption, of sonship that cries, Abba, Father, which is incredible. And that, a lot of times, when that happens, that brings healing. It brings emotional healing. It, it's powerful. But out of that, we're also to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can be witnesses of what Christ has done in our lives, that we're sent with a purpose, that there's an overflow of us being filled with the Holy Spirit. Verses 32, 33. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, and they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of Jesus, of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. Filled with the Holy Spirit, with a purpose, sent all of them to share their lives. Money, possessions, food, properties, they all belong to Jesus. We're just stewards of what belongs to him. They spoke and testified of God's story and how their story fit into God's big story. God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. As I said, not just Peter and John, not just the professionals, not just the leaders, in them all. So here's a great thing. Kids, this morning, watching online, God wants to use you and work in you. He wants to use you. He wants you to be filled with this Holy Spirit to bring good news to your schools, to everywhere you go. Teenagers, youth, God wants to use you. God has purposes and plans for you. He wants you to know him and to be filled with this Holy Spirit and to bring good news everywhere you go. Whether you're single, elderly, all points in between, God wants to fill us and to send us with good news both to speak and to share and to demonstrate the kingdom of God. Woo! That's exciting. So today, in closing, probably here in Fredericton, minor forms of persecution, which are probably going to increase, and I'm saying minor in relation to what's going on in other parts of the world. Threats, being shamed, maybe people are angry, ridiculed, ignored, different forms of persecution. How are we going to deal with it? How are we going to take responsibility and be praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ 
around the world who are being persecuted. Well, can I just share with you today that we get to put into practice some of the things we've just learned from this model, this blueprint prayer that we can share with each other. We can share facts. We can share. Folks, it's, it's real that sometimes we get made fun of and that hurts. Sometimes people ignore us. Some people say things about us. That hurts. I don't want to diminish that. We can share that with one another and just say, look, I really hurt this week. I shared about this and look what happened. We can share the facts with one another. But we can pray together and this is where the church, this is where we need each other. I love it. They came together and they raised their voices and they started with God. They started with the God of the Bible. They focused on the character of God. They focused on the promises of God. Folks, we need to get some promises in God's word that we know he wants to answer. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell is not going to prevail against it. We can get behind that promise. Jesus, keep building your church here in Fredericton. Keep building your church around the world because we know you're going to answer. You promised that. So we're going to get behind that prayer. We're going to get behind the prayer that you said you can ask the Lord of the harvest for more laborers. We're going to get behind that prayer. We can find some of these things to pray into. We can seek prayers of being spirit-filled. Lord, enable us. And as Mark said last week so well, folks, we're not trying to whip something up here, okay? Most of the times, we're weak. We feel weak, okay? I feel even extra weak without a coffee. Like, it, we feel weak, okay? I'm a pastor. This is my, in a sense, role, vocation. And a lot of times, like, I feel weak, We need the Holy Spirit. We say every day, every moment, every conversation, Lord, enable me. Help me to speak. Lord, stretch forth your hand to heal, to perform signs and wonders. Because the kingdom of God is just not about talking. It's about power of God. Folks, we need sometimes just to be shaken. We need God to wake us up. And I... I mean, COVID times, and it's so hard. We're disconnected and all the different things. We just say, God, wake us up. Lord, shake us. Okay, we need to be shaken. I say that for myself. Need to be shaken, God. And Lord, send us. It's the very first song we sang this morning, God. Wherever you want to send us, Lord, we'll go. God, into our neighborhoods and through our networks and to the nations. So how do we put this into practice? Well, tonight we're going to pray. We pray every second Sunday evening together as a church. We're going to be on Zoom tonight, and so maybe we can put that code maybe in the, um, for the live stream, and it's in our weekly email, and you can find it. We'll try to distribute that in lots of different places. We just don't make it super public because we just don't want to be Zoom-bombed every time we pray. So, um, but please let us know if you don't know what the code is. We can, if you can't get on Zoom, pray where you are. Pray in your family, pray alone, pray in your small groups, pray in your life groups, okay? Gather some others, whatever video chat you can do. We're going to have our vision night this Thursday night here. 50 of us are going to meet. We're going to have it on the live stream. We're going to be sharing about the church and the future. We're going to pray together. Families, you can pray together. Because here's what we want to try to instill is this. We don't want to have to try to deal with persecution on our own. So we don't want to deal with it on our own. We don't want to deal with it out of the flesh and just get angry and rail against people. We need to come together and help and to pray for one another.
So this week, can I encourage us? Maybe just take 10 minutes on your own and just pray through this model prayer. Just take these five things. So maybe you can do it with a couple of people. Just set your timer. Take even 10 minutes. I give you full permission. If 10 minutes and you're still going, keep going. All right? But just put it into practice, folks. This morning, with all these things, it's not just to talk about, it's to do. We're just trying to equip you and us to do these things. Because the reality is, if we don't pray, if we don't pray, either honestly, it hurts to say it, but it's true, either we don't really care or we think we can do it on our own. Prayer is just saying, God, I care. And God, we can't do it on our own. We need you. So we've got to set aside some time to say we need you. Let's ask God together. Let's seek his will. Let's receive. Let's be shaken. Let's go. Let's be sent to wherever God wants us to go. So I'm going to ask the team to come, and they're going to lead us in one final song, which is really putting into practice what we're just talking about. It's a prayer saying, God, we want to put into practice the things that we're learning about this morning. So if you're able, why don't you stand? If you're at home, you might even want to stand as well just to, I just want to lead us in a quick prayer. Father, this morning we just want to thank you for, again, your great provision of Jesus the way, the truth, and the life, the Messiah, the anointed one, that Jesus, through your death and resurrection, you gave us access to know God as Father. We thank you for that. And Lord, we just pray now, Lord, we want others to know this good news. Lord, so we need your help. Lord, so would you come and fill us even now, Lord, that we could be sent to declare and demonstrate the kingdom of God. We pray in Jesus' name.